Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I am the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, which is available anywhere you buy your books. Um, And that was published by Penguin Random House in June of 2015. You know, I got to start off right away with this podcast. Um, My dogs are, I've got three dogs in the house today. They're all a little antsy, God knows why. And uh, if they bark during this recording, sorry about that. I've been trying to record this in silence all day long. I'm giving up. The dogs win. So anyways, it's almost Mother's Day, one more week to go, and for those of us that work in the birth world, it's just about the most important day of the year. That's because it's the one day of the year when everyone thinks about motherhood. Um, You know, they're thinking about the new mothers in their lives, or their own mothers, or their sisters, or wives, or friends, and they're thinking about where to go for brunch, and where to, you know, what kind of flowers to get, just how big a fuss do they need to make. But I've been thinking about it because it's the one day where people really consider all the different ways that motherhood impacts our lives, all the different kinds of mothers there are out there, all the different kinds of, you know, factors and situations that go into motherhood and what that all means. I've also been thinking a lot lately about all the different ways that parents come to motherhood and fatherhood. There's just so many variations on this theme, and it seems like every time I talk to somebody, I learn something new about the experience. Um, you know, it's just such a, such a wild and crazy thing we do, being parents. What I really love about where we are in history right now is that there are so many more options and avenues than ever for people to become parents. And that means that, you know, there's a much wider chunk of humanity that's undertaking the job of raising the next generation. I think only good can come from that. You know, and people who had previously been left out of parenthood can now create families with the help of reproductive technology options, adoption, foster care. It's kind of amazing. It's amazing, really, when you think about all the intricacies and complicated relationships that go on between birth parents and adopting parents. And, you know, I I think back on some of the most touching births that I ever assisted when I was working as a labor nurse. And they were, you know, some of them were the ones where one mother was giving birth to another mother or father's baby. The circumstances were always unique, but, you know, I'm thinking about the teenage mother who knew she wasn't prepared to raise a baby and the adopting parents who were present at the delivery of her child, who had been trying to conceive for years but were never able to. Finally, they're becoming a family. I'm thinking about the gay couple who um, adopted the baby of a close family friend who was too young to raise a baby but still wanted a role in her child's life. And I'm thinking about you know foster mothers and birth mothers on the hardest night of that new mother's life the night she has to relinquish custody of her newborn. And I'm thinking about the foster mothers who go the extra mile to show that young woman complete respect and compassion. So today, I want to talk more about adoption and new motherhood and about the relationships created or not created in opened and and closed adoption. I'm going to call my friend Sarah, who just adopted a newborn baby girl after years spent trying to have a baby the old-fashioned way. 
Let's get Sarah on the line. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Good. A little you, tired. You pawned <laughs> off. You pawned off the baby so that we could chat. Yes. Um. Uh. My husband has the baby. He's happy for the, the baby time. I. I. I steal her this time of day because she's snuggly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start off with proper introductions. Um, okay. You and I met in a knitting class and hit it off. Um, you know, struggling to learn basic knitting, although you're kind of a power knitter in my book. <laughs> I'm a stress knitter. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'm more of a plotter. <laughs> you're slow and steady, and I'm a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like the term stress knitting. Well, <laughs> let's, you know, let's tell our listeners today who you are and what you do. Um... Well, I'm Sarah, and I, um, what do you mean when I do generally? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I work in the criminal justice system. I'm an avid knitter, apparently, and I um, am a recent parent um, who just adopted a baby girl. And she's little. She's a tiny little thing. She's tiny. She was four pounds and seven ounces uh, when she was born and about four pounds when we uh, brought her home from the hospital. But now she's six pounds. Um, five weeks into this, she was gaining about a pound every two weeks um, the last month or so. She's, so she's, she's really trying to catch up. Well, she's getting bigger and bigger. That's so yes. <laughs> And I've had the chance to see her a couple of times and she's still, you know, half the size of any of the babies I ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's six pounds right now, so yeah. she, she's pretty small by by most standards, uh, yeah. especially for a five-week-old. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Are you getting Thanks. getting any sleep at all? Um, you know, we've worked out a pretty good system, so I get some sleep, but the baby um, is uh, kind of a perfect baby. She she only, you know, she, she doesn't do a whole lot of typical cryy baby things unless she really wants something her cues are super easy but when it comes to putting her down at night um that's where uh that's where we have our struggles and so um eric and i have just like split shifts um and for like the first couple of weeks one of us was up with the baby a hundred percent of the time um and so uh, we got some sleep, but we never saw each other. And now we're trying to merge those together. So we're getting less sleep um, and seeing a little more of everybody at the same time. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. Well, at five weeks, I don't know any babies that are sleeping well. They've all got their unique <laughs> form of torture to inflict on us. <laughs> well, and she's so good everywhere else. She's portable, as you know. You yeah. saw her at knitting and she's just so happy to be wrapped up in um in that like moby or boba wrap and um or you know wherever you want to put her so this is our challenge right everyone has one. yeah <laughs> yeah you're right there with every new parent they're all figuring out okay what is the magic trick that i do that let's see we did this last time and she slept and we slept and so we're going to do it exactly that way again and it's going to work except it never does it's crazy <laughs> Babies are crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I'm surprised because as, you know, the stress knitter that I am, you would, one would assume I stress easily, but with this kid, we've been waiting so long for her that I really don't care that I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. And she 
I'm just so happy to have her that um, that at least five weeks then, you know, maybe if we had this another five weeks um, later at 10 weeks, I would be telling a different story. But today, um, tired doesn't seem to matter a whole lot. <laughs> well, okay. So can you share with us a little bit about how you came to adoption? Um, sure. So, um, you know, my husband and I were, were a little older. Um, and uh, so we had some fertility issues. We have been trying to get pregnant for about five years and had no problem getting pregnant, but had a lot of problems um, staying pregnant. And so throughout that process, we learned some things and, um, and we had to decide if we wanted to do sort of the platinum level IVF, you know, to look and make sure we had, um, we didn't just have old eggs um, or adoption because they're pretty, they're both expensive. And we thought adoption was, um, was a better way to go. I'm adopted. Um, I'm part of a closed adoption. We have an open adoption with Esme and my brother was adopted. So it wasn't really a, you know, a big stretch for me to really recognize that um, biology doesn't make family because that was what my family looked like. So, um, so we chose that way. We ended up actually doing both um, at the same time, and adoption worked, and IVF didn't. So, um, here we are. But we we waited in the pool for about two years. So there were a lot of people that we knew um, who adopted really quickly, but everything just took a little bit longer for us um, until, of course, we got picked, and then we had two weeks notice. <laughs> wow! Wow! Um, yeah. So, so you did you did IVF at the same time? that you were adopting oh, yeah. the baby? Yeah, um, we had a little influx of money and um, and they and we had accidentally, you know, we'd spent all this time attempting to get pregnant and then we got pregnant accidentally when it didn't work. They thought that they learned something and we were lucky enough to, and fortunate enough to be able to, to do IVF at that point, which was terrible. I mean, it was, um, I think a lot of people say, well, it's not so bad and that's true if it's sort of your first thing. Um, but sort of at the end of this with a lot of um, you know, physical trauma that we had endured, it was sort of like all of the hormones and everything was really a lot yeah. <laughs> to endure at the end. Um, and I'm grateful that I did it because at the end of it, you know, I think um, we felt really confident um, if we hadn't already before we knew that that adoption was the right path for us and the best path for us. Um, when I left, the fertility specialist said that we could keep trying, but she couldn't really anticipate different results. So that yeah. was her choice. Yeah. 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 She also said I could. You never know. You know, like it's still sort of an unidentified issue. So. Yeah. So it's hard to sort of say. But, um, but I, you know, I think everything works out. So we had done that. We actually um, uh, were a little worried at one point that we might get picked and also be pregnant. But um, we always wanted you know, more than one. Um, originally, now we're happy with the one that we have. But um, you know, if we had two, it would have been the worst thing in the world. And um, but but luckily, it worked out the way that it did. Because I think that's better for bonding and attachment anyway. So yeah, um, yeah. So I had I had two babies. I, I had two babies under a year and a half. They were they're just just a year and a half apart, and that was challenging. So two babies. <laughs> Two babies at once, you know, any mother who does twins or triplets or anything like that, my hat is off. Well, I'll tell you what, the scare that we had was um, what we, we got a, an email that there was the possibility of, of twins that were a month old. 
to adopt. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we were one of a few people, uh, I think, that were considering that. And um, I also was pregnant with IVF at the time. it wouldn't have been two it would have been you know twins and an Irish triplet I guess yeah (laughs) yeah wow you were going through a lot you went through a lot yes and I went through some of that while we were knitting together yeah well you (laughs) you um hinted at a little bit of stuff but no not very much yeah, so so that's why I was stress knitting when we first started. There was a lot going on. There, there really <laughs> was. You were going through an awful lot to get to where you are now. Let's... But you know, after meeting her, you know, I mean, you know, people say that you, you can't possibly know what it's like um, to be a mom, and that always really irritated me because it's so vague and inclusive. But it's true. Like the way you feel about these kids, it's just crazy how quick it happens. And yeah. I would have waited and gone through. So much more if I had known. Yeah. But luckily I didn't have to. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's it's one of those indescribable things about life. And yeah. it has become somewhat cliche that people say, you know, a mother's love, you, you never know what it is until you are a mother. And, and I do think that it's kind of irritating and annoying and cliche. And yet, <laughs> like so many cliches, it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Can't explain it. I know. Yeah. So I just learned last week that you're adopted. That's kind of completing a circle, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, some people, when you think about, uh, um, you know, passing down uh, something from, you know, biology, I I was joking that uh, adoption is what, you know, my family does. And um, obviously, I was adopted. We're adopting. um my uh obviously my birth mom um put me up for adoption and recently some time ago i had done the 23 and me like genetic testing to see you know my 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 mother um mm. her her mom had died of ovarian cancer and so i was i was interested in the genetics but we found um a match and we realized that we couldn't move forward to figure out who my um birth family was because there was another adoption um, when my great-grandmother was 12 that sort of stopped the link that we were we were following and so um, so yeah I think it's my history's adoption Wow so Wow let's talk a little bit about um, the difference between an open adoption and closed adoption sure tell me me what that means so a closed adoption is um, is or I mean I guess there's closed open and sort of semi-open and there's any number of situations um, in between um, and it, and I think you know, they vary depending on family but um, almost all adoptions by law are closed unless um, the court and the parties decide to share information or determine that's in the best interest of the child so back when I was adopted um, all adoptions pretty much were closed unless you knew somebody um, and uh, that means that you don't know anything about the birth family from, like any identifying information about the birth family, and there's absolutely no contact. And so I know a little bit about my birth family because my dad was a physician, and my birth mom's physician is how we connected or how they connected for the for the adoption. And so I know about her health, um, and I know a little bit about her story, um, but that's about it. And so um, there was 
a, you know, a lot of closed adoptions when the adoptee or myself would turn 18, then the courts could decide if they would open up that information and let you know. Um, and the county that that does the adoption is the one who chooses. And so um, in Lebanon County um, in Pennsylvania, they choose not to provide that information, um, even though I actually wish they shared a lawyer and my birth mom said that when I turned 18 that she was happy to have her information shared. I still wasn't able to know. So a closed adoption can be that closed where it's virtually impossible to learn anything. And an open adoption can look like anything. Sometimes it's the exchanging of letters um, and pictures. Uh, sometimes it includes visits. Sometimes um, you don't really know the identity, but you get some information until the child's older. And I think over the course of time, people have looked at adoption differently. And the more and as time goes by, I think what most people realize is that open adoption or having a sense of who um, who your you know what your history is and what your story is is good for a child which is one of the reasons that we wanted to go with open adoption um a because i would love to have known something but b i think um for my daughter i want her to know where she came from i want her to know her story that she was loved and cared for to never feel like um somebody didn't choose her because uh the birth family in the situation you know, love her terribly, and um, and I think it was, you know, such an act of love and, and motherhood to, to know that um, parenting wasn't correct for in this particular situation. And so I think I think my daughter will know that, and um, and that's the real value of open adoption. That and when, you know, a child says, well, my real mom, you know, would do this, we can say, well, let's call her and see, um, and she'd probably say no because she's a smart girl so <laughs> so um so it looks different you know i think um for us uh and and the way our relationship sort of shaping up with the birth family it looks like extended family you know and um just like with all extended family there's some family you love and some family that you don't and you spend time with them either way um and at this point we love um, our daughter's birth family i hope it stays that way um but it doesn't feel intrusive it feels like it feel it just feels like more family. Yeah. What are your what are your insights as to what the birth mom is going through right now? You know, um, I think our our birth mom. I think um, she's uh, she's younger, and I think that she um, really recognized that um, that this wasn't a good situation for her and the birth dad at the time. They're still. Like, together they love each other a lot um um they hope to you know continue their relationship and and have a family of uh, their own one day they're not in a position to care for the child they haven't had the best um life growing up and want it to be more stable and to offer something better um for the kid um and so i think part of our relationship now is about um is more about you know us building a relationship and trust and being like we're far older I think being positive adult role models um for them uh I feel connected to her in that way we we talk and text a lot but we don't often necessarily talk about the baby just a little bit um I think that that's hard for her to hear and of course you know I have a friend a very close friend who um who 
who uh, chose adoption for um, her daughter as well. And, you know, she also said that sometimes it's too hard to hear about it, but it doesn't mean in our case that the birth mom doesn't want to be connected to us and, and to be, you know, part of what we're doing here. Your your friend was a birth mom? Yes, I my see. friend was a birth mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been kind of trying to like when things are confusing, (laughs) you know, lean on her. She she actually had an open adoption and chose to close it, Um, you know, and I and I've also now have a network of friends who have uh, gone through adoption through our process and waiting um, in the adoption pool. And I think, you know, every birth mom's story is a little different, um, Mm -hmm. but but they all sort of. You know, I, I think one of the, the coolest things um, in the hospital, we were really lucky enough to be there and we got to watch our daughter be born. And I felt, you know, we just felt really connected to the birth mom. There was a lot of extended family there. And that was a whole, that's a whole different story. <laughs> that was uh, that was definitely stressful um, because, you know, we hadn't really formed that same relationship. But, um, but you know, that day, um, the birth mom was uh, we were all in the same room and we were taking care of our daughter and teaching her how to eat, which was hard because she was little. And um, and uh, birth mom was with birth dad and her brother and, and family. And, you know, we were kind of looking across the room and we're both making sure we're each okay and paying attention to each other, but trying not to intrude. And it was just really clear to me that she needed to see us taking care of the of our daughter so that she, she knew that she had made the right decision and after that um there's really like she just hasn't um i think she just trusts how the baby's doing and um and us and our parenting and so now it's also just like about building that relationship yeah. so that we have a relationship and it's not just based on the baby yeah yeah wow there's it's a, a lot it's a lot <laughs> I know. She's going through I mean, a lot. You're going through a lot. So how are you and your husband sharing parenting so far? Sharing? Um, we are, well, you know, we share the way we always share. We are we are real partners um, and always have been. We actually met working um, uh, waiting tables on the same day, um, at the same night. We started a restaurant. And so um, at a restaurant, and we had... Um, there was a snowy winter storm once and we were the only two people who could get in there. And for three days we opened to close the restaurant. And when they decided finally they could let one of us go, we both decided to stay because we didn't think it was fair. Mm-hmm. And that's how we take, I think our entire life and our parenting, you know, it's, um, there's some things I, you know, don't want to do. There's some things he doesn't want to do. Like, I don't, I don't love running errands cause I want to be with the baby. So you know, he'll do some of that stuff, but, um, and I'll do, do some of the other stuff that he doesn't want to, but I feel like we're doing a really 50, 50 split, um, on caring for the, for the baby. And, and I don't think I would have wanted to parent if I wasn't so sure that that was going to happen, you yeah. know? So, um, he actually gives me more sleep. We learned really early on that, um, he can be a nice person, um, waking up and going to sleep in like 10 or 30 or 45 minute increments. But if I don't get a stretch, I'm less of a nice person. And so um, I get more sleep than he does. Um, but in return, I'm then more awake to do a little bit more of the other stuff. So um, so anyway, I, I just feel like it's 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 been fair. And we talk about it a lot. You know, we, we recognize that, that um, 
that this is, can be a big problem for, for couples. And um, we just don't want this to be what interferes in our relationship because it's what we want it for our family, right? right <laughs> and right. we also try to give each other grace. You know, obviously when you're sleep deprived, you can misunderstand something or, or be a little more agitated or quick to anger. And, um, and so when that happens, we just say, Hey, you know, like, and pointing it out is enough to say, right, you know, and kind of move on. But, um, I just, I think it's the way we've tackled everything, um, Mm -hmm. in our relationship is as partners and God, I, I have so much respect for single parents. I don't even know like how you can do it. I know. It's gotta be so hard if you don't have that other person. Um, you know, we, we had two really hard nights last night and um at two o'clock in the morning when I woke him up uh to take over I was at I was so I just needed sleep. You know, I just needed to be done and if I didn't have that person I don't know I don't know how I would have made it through that day. I know, I know. Single parents are the most heroic. Yes, they are. Yeah, they really are. But, you know, this is a really temporary period of time. It's, I almost wonder if, you know, it's Mother Nature's master plan to sort of just shatter everything so that you build it all back up together. (laughs) I don't know. Or I I always said to push you to the limits to see how far you can go. And then something changes. Like, I've noticed that she changes every two days. Um, You know, she does something cool. And she also gets a new, like, something less cool. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so so I'm hoping, you know, since we just had these two terrible evenings um, of sleep, that maybe tonight will be different because we've hit the two-day mark. So. Yeah. You're yeah. looking You're looking for those patterns, the patterns that new parents always look for to see what's the magic thing. What do we do? <laughs> what There's do, no pattern. <laughs> let's see. I was wearing that sweater. It must be that. <laughs> don't ever change your clothes because she fell asleep on your chest and yeah (laughs) wait you mean we have time to change our clothes (laughs) yeah Uh yeah have you figured out the trick of how to take a shower when you're the only one home well you know luckily we're both on leave so I haven't had to work that out yet um, but I'm sure it's bound to happen at some point. What's the trick? Well, it's all about the car seat. You got to put them in the uh, car seat, um, strapped in so they're nice and safe, right outside the shower door. Um, and you get in and, you know, you just have to do the highlights. It's it's like a three minute shower, not the full, the full spectrum. And you just, that's how you do it. <laughs> Last night, uh, my husband was trying to go to bed, and and I um and the baby was finally like laying down flat and sleeping and happy, and I was like, "You just gotta wait ten minutes so I can be clean. I just need to start this night off feeling like really good." <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Woohoo! But, <laughs> so but yeah, no, she's wonderful. You know, I I don't. I mean, some the last two nights were hard, but you know, people say parenting's hard and. I don't think that's the right word for it. Not if you like, like we really want it to be here and be in these moments. And if you can like push past sleeplessness, which I think, you know, um, I just sort of said, it's kind of like when I was 20, you know, I'm up till three or four in the morning and the only difference is I'm, I'm not drunk and I don't have a hangover. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm by nature. We also are very lucky because 
I'm by nature, I want to stay up late and sleep in, and he by nature wants to go to bed early and get up early. And so when we split our shifts, we kind of split them based on our normal body rhythms. And I don't think it's too torturous for either one of us um, at all, you know. And so so hard's not the right word. Now, again, when I go back to work, different story. So what is (laughs) what is the back to work plan? Oh, you know, um, I, I, I like my job. I, I work in the criminal justice system, but not in a traditional way. I, I do programs and, and policy and development. And so, um, you know, when I moved here to Portland from, from DC, it was hard to find a good fit and that's really got one now. And so I had originally planned on adopting and, and then maybe staying at home. Um, but that's not a good option now, A, because I like my job, and um, B, because Eric, uh, right before we we found out about um, our daughter, Eric, who had owned his own business, had decided that he wants to do something different, and so he's looking now, and so it's really his time to make the transition. So I'll be going back at the end of my leave, and Eric will be staying home, which um, which I think we both wish for is the other way around, but um, but yeah, it is what it is, <laughs> and I'm so happy that um, that it's him and, and not daycare, um, because she's so little, it doesn't seem right to um, I mean, I think every parent three months is little, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what size they are. Right. Um, and so I think that that's great. And the hard part, though, is that since, um, you know, he's still doing a little consulting and, you know, so that everything works for our family. But when he does find something, we're going to be looking for daycare quickly, which isn't really how daycare sort of happens. And so um, both for wait lists. And so we might be um, pushed into a more expensive, you know, nanny option, um, which I think I'm pretty good with for the first year anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, given, like, I she, I wouldn't say that she has special needs because she's small, but she certainly, you know, oh, I don't know. She she's feels little. very precious. As a, yeah. <laughs> she's so little. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if you're in a place, like, she's too small to be in, like, some of the, like, apparatuses that people put their kids in, like, swings or um, bouncy chairs or whatever. And I know a lot of daycares have them. And so, you know, I know that wherever, if we would go in that direction, we'd have to tell them not to because she's too small for them and um, weight wise. And then she's basically left to being held or being left to lay down where I know that she cries and that. And so um, maybe it's just all in my head, but that feels terrible because I have to rely on somebody to want to hold her all the time when there's other babies. And that I I just, (sighs) yes. I know. It's the hardest thing. <laughs> it's the hardest, hardest thing. Yeah. Take a deep breath. You're you going to still... leave me this knit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. You still have, yeah. what, five weeks left? Uh, uh, yes. I. It doesn't feel like that. I feel like I'm almost done. It feels yeah, like know. it's moving so quickly. But yeah, I'm halfway through it. Um, I'm actually reserving a week for... Um, uh, I have a work trip in August in DC where my friends and family are. And so we're going to stay, we're going to use a week to, to go, um, you know, show her off. Uh, she'll be probably five months then. Um, but, and I probably will be out of leave. So I decided to leave it there since I have Eric and, um, and he's doing well, but yeah, we're just, gosh, 
I don't want to leave her. She's just so perfect. We decided that we could be the best parents ever if we could both just like stay in our house and not work for the rest of her life. Oh, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would. It doesn't work that way. I could be the best human being possible if I could just stay in my house and not work for a living. <laughs> we felt that way when we left the hospital too we were there an extra day because of her size and um and they're like how are you feeling about parenting we're like we're the best parents ever because we have this nursing staff to support us you know <laughs> um I don't know what it's going to be like when we get in the car but <laughs> right now we're feeling good and yeah. and so that's how I feel I feel good now and I think you know we'll go back to work and we'll make it work and um and uh gosh I hate to think about it well, I'm going to ask you one final question that I ask every parent who comes on the show. Where are you in your life as a mom? There should be more to that question, so I know. Nope. Where are you <laughs> in your life as a mom? I do not know how. I, I'm not sure what. You're, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I will say that um, you know. Waiting for five years to become a mom, it feels like it happened, like like I'm just in it. You know, I feel like I've been a mother forever. And I don't know if it's because we waited so long or if that's what happens when the baby happens. Like, it, it's almost like nothing happened before the baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just feel like, I, I don't know, despite the fact that I can't get her to sleep, I just feel like you know what to do and you like you look at them and, and you can tell what they need and they're so little and they can't say anything yet, but you just know. And, um, and obviously biology doesn't make a difference <laughs> with right. that. So I'm feeling pretty good as a mom. Um, good. you know, yeah, you answered it. You did it. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, this has been great. I really appreciate your sharing this really intimate and vulnerable time in your life and you're killing it lady. You're doing great. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to share, you know, even before we had our daughter, I said that if if ever any of my struggles could help anybody else get through something, then it was for something and not nothing, right? You know, um, we all have, I, I, I'm constantly surprised at how often uh, people go through tough times with infertility and pregnancy and becoming a parent, whether they want it to or not. And nobody ever talks about it. And, um, yeah, you know, just another sort of, there's still a uh, lot of thing. stigma. It's, yeah. And it seems taboo, but it's, you know, to talk about, but at the same time, it's like, it's so hard and you need to know how to get through it. And you only know that if you talk about it with other people who've done it. So, well, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story and we'll talk again yeah. soon. Okay. Kiss, kiss that baby for me. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. My mama said. Mama said. Mama said. I went walking. Today's guest is Sarah, and she's just using her first name today. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios in Portland, Oregon. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com and you can buy my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, everywhere books are sold. Email me with podcast ideas, questions, or comments at jean at jeanfaulkner.com. And be sure to tune in next week, special for Mother's Day. It's going to be one of the most intimate yet because it's all about me and my kids. 
Thanks for listening and for keeping this conversation going.